Welcome to the Uncanny Adventures podcast. So we should be live. Hello and welcome back to Uncanny Adventures. We're playing Call of Cthulhu and we're playing the Reign of Terror adventure. Um, we are back with our intrepid investigators, the wonderful French soldiers. Um, about five years ago, they thwarted a vampire who was trying to uh, finagle his way into the queen's good graces, um, and they managed to stop him. Uh, he was driven somewhat insane and taken away by the authorities, not to be seen again. Uh, from what you've heard, he's probably in the asylum. But five years passed, a French revolution began in earnest. The king and queen were beheaded on the guillotines in France, as well as many, many aristos who supported the uh, king and queen as the people rose up against the aristocracy. So we are in the year 1794 and our intrepid investigators were going about their business, trying to make a living serving their country as it were and found themselves back in hot water as they once again traveled beneath the streets of Paris into the catacombs only to find that citizen Regault, once Dr. Regault, had used the information gleaned from the vampire to apparently raise himself into a new kind of power. And he chased our investigators through the catacombs. They met an unlikely ally in a ghoul creature that led them under the city and brought them to safety. Now we have Etienne Babon and Jean Dupois who are holed up in a safe house where they have run into their sergeant who they had not seen in quite a long time. And... We have Pressy, who, hearing that the love of his life, her father, had been killed, and he had not heard from her, he went in search of her and had found her, working as a basic scullery maid somewhere in Paris. And Pressy and his dear, dear love are now traveling the city streets at the moment, spending what could be their last days. So, we're going to start with introducing ourselves and our characters again, and then we're going to play some Call of Cthulhu. All right, so Dylan, why don't you start? Hi, I'm Dylan Ramsey, and I'm playing Jean Dupois, who is a 50-something-year-old, grumpy French... <laughs> oh, Katie. <laughs> uh, French soldier who doesn't like people very much and is an alcoholic and just kind of wants to die at this point. So, you know. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and Jamie... I'm Jamie. I'll be playing Etienne Babon, the early 40s, aged, one-handed, partially deaf, ex-gunner military guy with his doctor's son who healed his father very well, but not Dupois. And he still currently has his middle finger hand attachment. Very nice. And Scott. And I'm running uh, Christophe. Proceed with his uh, girlfriend Melody, and they're just going off on a, I guess a, a date in Prairie. Chicka wow wow. Yeah. Um, 
date. If you'll allow it, could I have a luck roll for something? Sure. Oh boy. Oh. <laughs> okay. This is this is for something serious in post. I'm probably gonna send you something private in the Zoom. Okay. Uh let's see. Where's luck? There you are. I haven't I haven't used it in a while. There we go. That's exactly what I thought was gonna happen. Okay. Oh no. I'm still gonna tell you what it was for, but <laughs> so. you are not the father. <laughs> All right, so um, you, Babon and Dupois. So Dupois, Cesar has come back with uh, Babon, and he is a trained doctor, even though in, in this time, pretty much anyone can, uh, can declare that they are a medically trained. But Cesar actually went to Montpellier University and trained to be a doctor before the revolution. Mm. Um, so he goes over your wounds. He patches you up as best he can. And he uh, looks you over. And he says, you are very lucky to be alive. What the the hell have you all gotten yourselves into? Language. Father, I'm off to war soon. There's nothing I can do about my language now. Mm. You can improve it. You're right, Father. I should do better. My apologies. You, sir, and he points at Dupois, you should... Mm. Definitely give yourself some bed rest for at least a few days if you want to recover properly. We don't have time for that. We don't. I have... Mm. What, what is the rush, sir? My father does not tell me much. He just says that he is in need of my assistance. And he looks over his shoulder at you, Babon. That's kind of look down at him, giving him the dad look. All you need to know, boy, is that... It is a matter of grave importance to France and to its future. That war, war is not going to solve. Should I, Father, should I stay and and help? You you may need my assistance again if you're in a dangerous situation. Well, we could always use an extra hand. All right, then. I, I will stay if... I do not want to see you harmed. I... Do not ship out until tomorrow, so I will do what I can to help you for today. We gotta hurry then. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. So, um, as you all are talking, um, why don't oh, you no. guys make me listen Secret rolls. police! Wait, uh, what was it? Listen, listen. rolls. Oh, fuck. Aha! Uh-huh. No one expects a secret police! <laughs> the deaf guy. Hey, Pat, why do I always pass these? You you're always you always get like really good on listen, even though that's your worst. I always get, worst I always get like the hard, and I'm like, how? How? Like, imagine how you were before you blew out your ears. Then you know, <laughs> he's like a friggin' I can hear a mouse sneezing <laughs> ten miles away. You're like, man, I can only hear a mouse a mile away now. I'm like almost deaf. Oh, what Babon told no one was he he got injured on purpose because he was so sick of hearing everything so well so he stood really close and put his ear to the explosion i hear everything uh but babon in this instance what you do hear is the creak of floorboards outside on the porch of this establishment that you are holed up inside of uh babon's gonna grab his axe and get it ready to just turn everybody else to go The sergeant looks around and says, what is it? Somebody's outside. 
Perhaps it is Pressy returning. Pressy okay. would. He wouldn't be sneaking around. He'd just come in. That's true. He's a loud idiot. Uh, you all should not be seen. I, I can go and see what it is if you want. Dupois is injured. We don't want your son to be seen. Especially if the police are looking for us. I know they're looking for me. You can look, but I'll come in. Hide around the corner in case there's trouble. All right. So he will move toward the front windows, which this this house is boarded up. So uh, he moves up and he kind of is looking between the slats. Um, and he kind of looks out. And then he puts his back against the wall and he puts up a finger. And motions for you to move back further away, back into the house. And he says quietly, when you do, he says, There is a dull, dark-cloaked man. He is investigating the front door and windows of the house. That may be on me. That may be on me. Perhaps we should try to leave before the house is surrounded. Okay. All right. So, why don't you guys roll me some stealthy checks? Oh no! I hate to ask this, but would I have like disadvantage or whatever because I'm wounded and have a dog? (laughs) Oh, that's a bad fail. (laughs) Um, you would not. Okay. Disadvantage. Well, it didn't matter. All right, so uh, as you oh, begin to collect your your things and you start to uh, move through the house toward the back, um, you hear uh, basically first Babon sort of stumbles over some leftover like <laughs> kitchen items that are in the corner. So there's a clattering and Dubois, as you turn to say something to him, you knock over like the brooms and the things like that that are by the door. And you make a whole bunch of noise, at which point you hear running footsteps on the porch out in front. (laughs) Cesar's just in the corner, like... So, um, in this instant, I need to know, what are you, what are your dexterities? Oh, uh... 50. 50. 45. 45. Right, so. Hmm. All right, so you hear these uh, footsteps running across the porch out front. And the sergeant, um, he looks around and he says, I think it's going around back. If we go upstairs and out across the rooftop of the porch, we may be able to get away. And he bolts for the stairs. I'm a fat man. <laughs> <laughs> uh he bolts for the stairs and uh, quickly runs up the stairs, at which point uh, Cesar looks at you, Babon, and like he gives you this look like, what do we do? <laughs> you, you heard the sergeant. He's a, the commanding officer. Go! <laughs> so Cesar will charge up the stairs after the sergeant. He, uh, As he runs, he picks up what he can of his supplies that he didn't get yet, and he runs up the stairs quickly to 
Then, uh, what are you doing, Babon? Do I... So since we were just doing all that running through the sewers, mm -hmm. do I know if I'm, like, much faster than Dupois? Um, you think that you are only slightly faster than Dupois. Okay. Dupois only fell a little bit behind you in the sewers. All right. Because I don't want to, like, get too far ahead of him if something happens, so I'm going to just start heading towards where everybody else is. And Dupois, what do you do as you look well, at Bonaparte? Yeah, I was going to say, I'll, I'll get Bonaparte and I'll sort of get my way up off the floor and like, oh, come on, boy. Come on. Yeah, he he's just immediately follows after you without any, mm. too much coaxing. Yeah, and I'll follow after Babon and the others. All right. So you run up the stairs and now you're on the second floor and the, you see the sergeant sort of moving toward the, the front of the house. And you hear downstairs, you hear a, uh, a slamming at, like, the side window. Uh, let's see how well he does. Uh, and you hear, you hear, like, a cracking sound as if someone is uh, easily smashing through the, uh, the boards that were left there. Yikes. Um, and then the sergeant gets to the front window and is going to try to pull the boards that are on there off to make room for you all to get out. So he will try to. Ah, oh, yeah. God. So he, he runs forward and just the adrenaline of the chase, he grabs hold at one corner and he just pulls back the boards covering the window. There's just like tearing and a cracking He does sound. like the cartoon run where he just like runs through the board and there's like a search out sheet. Uh, and he he rips open a hole and he turns around and puts his hands down for Cesar to sort of leap out the window onto the roof, which Cesar, uh, with a quick look over his head at you to make sure you have come up the stairs behind him, oh. Papa, he will uh, attempt to leap out of the window. Let's see how he did. Um, so he uh, goes out the window and his foot catches and he sort of tumbles on the roof out the window. And then let's see if he goes off the roof. He does not go off the roof, <laughs> oh, though. Thank God. He grabs God. on to the edge. And as he's sort of sliding and rolling away. And I almost lost my boy. <laughs> and he hangs on as, uh, Babon, what do you do? As you see Cesar sort of disappear. And you hear, ah. I, I'll jump out the window and try and... All right. Do you want to uh, give me? Um, let's see. You can give me a dexterity check or do do do. Etienne. Uh, you could give me a straight jump to leap through the window. I'm gonna go with dexterity because I'm a little bit better at that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you uh, you jump through the window and you sort of follow suit with uh, Cesar. Like, he, he has regained his feet and you are just sliding. Make me another dexterity check to catch the, the edge of the roof before you go flying off the roof. Nope. Bam. So, yes, Babon, you, uh, <laughs> you hear Cesar, Baba! As you go over the roof, you take two points of uh, bludgeoning damage as you land in the uh, the street down below in a heap. 
Uh, <laughs> Kill me. <laughs> we wanted to get out. I'm out. It's fine. So Dupois. I, I'm going to grab Bonaparte and I'm going to go out the window, I guess. All right. Do you want to, are you going to go out carefully or are you going to jump out too? I'm going to go out carefully because I'm fat and wounded and I don't, I don't need that in my life. All right. So you can actually uh, roll me a dex check or a jump with a bonus die if you want to, as you're okay. trying to carefully go out the window <laughs> with the dog. Okay. So yeah, you and Bonaparte get out onto the roof. You look around and Cesar is looking over the edge of the roof like, Baba, are you all right? <laughs> no. <laughs> all right. So, uh, meanwhile, you hear behind you heavy footfalls on the stairs as someone is charging up the stairs after you. Uh, you see the sergeant turn in the window and he says, Go. I will hold him. And he disappears back into the house. Before he goes, can mm -hmm. I give him one last salute? Yep. So as you you salute, as I he, salute from the ground, he, <laughs> he sees it, and you see just as he goes, you see him just cut a salute, and then he disappears back into the darkness of the house, and you hear him run across the upper floor, and he yells. You hear him yelling to whoever's in the south, "You won't get me!" And then Cesar looks down at. Come on, and he says, "Papa, I'm coming down to help you." And he's Good. going to—he's going to go off the roof. Um, yeah, he will be able to. He—he he drops from the roof successfully and lands nearby and runs over and grabs you by the hand, Babon, and pulls you up, looking around in the street. And he's like, "Where do we? Where do we go, Papa?" Um. Uh. Uh. To, to the graveyard where we were sp we're supposed to meet the ghoul is that where we want to go we go there sure <laughs> that place <laughs> uh bonaparte uh is licking your face dupois and mm. looking around excitedly and wagging his tail he's having it looks like he's having a great time he, okay. thinks, this, he thinks this is a really fun game what do you want to do are there like bushes outside the front of the house that what i could mean? like jump into Roll me a luck roll. Oh, fuck. Damn it. <laughs> There's not gonna be. We'll find out. Damn it. Uh, yeah, no no, no bushes here on the, on the side Shit. of the road. Okay. Well. Meanwhile, oh. Pressy's just sitting somewhere sipping some wine, having a nice dinner. Oh, never do. Oh. <laughs> We're like, oh, God. Cesar, ah. uh, in this moment, looks back and goes, Papa, he is injured. We should help him. <laughs> I'd appreciate that. <laughs> the doctor, like his his do sense of being a doctor, coming back to him in the in the heat of this moment. Um, so they, uh, he turns to try to get underneath where you're coming down. He's going to try to help. Um, oh no! Which, okay. which will give you if you're going to jump off the roof, it would give you a bonus die for a dex or jump, whatever's better. Oh, it's going to be dex. Cool. Oh. Oh yeah. Whoa! Damn. All right. So uh, hey, you insulted my son earlier. <laughs> You leap down from the roof, and uh, he helps you break your fall and catches you. You you do feel the pain of the wound, where it you know he he checks it real quickly, 
Um, and you can hear a scuffle happening back inside the house. So what do you guys want to do? The sergeant can handle himself. We need to get out of here. Let's go somewhere. Hmm. All right, so you're going to disappear into the street. You're going to go back to try to find your ghoul friend. If we can, yeah. Yeah. All right. Because he was going to lead us to this specific house. Yeah. Are you being uh, sneaky about it, or are you full tilt, like, running for it from the scene? Gosh. We probably should be sneaky. We should. We'll see how this goes, though. <laughs> there might I'm be not... more police around. I'm yeah. not a sneaky man. I... I'm... Wow. Cesar's sneaky. Well, oh, hey. All right. Look at that. So you all managed to uh, to slip away into the into the street and sort of pulling up your hoods, you kind of mingle in with a crowd. Hobbling because and... we're in pain. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Meanwhile, somewhere else in the Paris streets, Pressy <laughs> and Melody are out and about. Pressy having convinced the woman in charge of the shop that Melody is working at and staying at to let them abscond for the afternoon. Um, so you are spending the the day with her. Um, you know pretty much the ins and outs of Paris. Um, there's a lot of nice locations. So what are you up, up and about to there, Pressy? Um, he, does, um, he does the thing that's like bittersweet. Where he's taking her on like the best outing ever that he can, because he doesn't think he's ever going to see her again. Is and this I'm not the word sure. after he thinks he fed SpongeBob and exploded? That's, ex- that's pretty much exactly what this is, <laughs> except the world of SpongeBob. <laughs> um, so he, I'm not sure how much money he has, but he probably spends almost all of it, if not all of it. Okay. Yeah. He. I he's, mean, he's... he doesn't care anymore. He stayed in the army, um, so, I mean, he doesn't have a whole lot of extra money, but he did make a wage, and he does have some money that he can spend. So, um, so while you're making your way around, the, uh, do you go anywhere interesting? Like, there's the, uh, the Bibliotheque, which was uh, taken over one, uh, about two years ago by the people. They've actually sort of reclaimed a, a lot of books, like, a whole lot of books and collections from the aristocracy as they've brought them to the guillotine. Um, and they've opened it to the, the public. There's also the, uh, the Luxembourg gardens, which are, they're not as nice now they've fallen into disrepair. Uh, but it's still uh, a nice location or there's always the, the, like the sign river. Scott doesn't know this, but Pressy would. Where does he think Melody would like the best? What what does she like to do? Does she like reading? Because we would go to the library. Yeah. She seemed to like more going on outings, and we would probably go to a park or something, you know? Um, he, he's definitely going what she wants to do. But he doesn't ask her directly, you know? Right. Yeah, he would know. She was she always did like to like read in the gardens um, back when they were able to be at Versailles and, and relaxing. She would, you'd always find her with a good book in the gardens from the library there. So she would, she would like to go and kind of see. Okay. Um, he, 
I guess we'll go to the library first, get a book, and then probably go there after. If they can. I'm not sure the distance between them. No, uh, so Vers Versailles is miles outside of Paris, so, um, but this would be, like, you could go to, like, the gardens, the Luxembourg. You could even sit outside the library itself. It's probably a nice area. We'd probably go with that. Okay. Uh, do me a favor and roll me a luck check. Oh, I got a lot of those. Let me, let me see here. Wow. Thank you. Wow. Nice. Um, so yeah, you, uh, you spend the afternoon with her. Um, she picks out a couple of books that she actually recognizes a few and she tells you, she knows, oh, this came from, you know, this counts or that counts collection. Um, she gets a little quiet at one point about it and makes her a little sad because she knows that they're no longer alive, um, that they must have been taken to the guillotine at some point. Um, and she, during the course of the day, she tells you at one point about the night that her father got taken and she just managed to slip away. He distracted the secret police. Um, she tells you that Francois Heron, the, uh, the leader of the secret police was the one that took her father in and within days she hid in the crowd and watched him get uh killed on the guillotine uh, but what she tells you is that something strange seemed to happen when his head separated from his body uh for just a second she thought she saw her father still look at her like his eyes move in the last moments um but then she just from the shock of it she fainted so she's not sure that she didn't just imagine what she saw. So, so you're saying she just had like Game of Thrones season one finale. She pretty much did. Yeah. Except that Ned Stark's eyes opened back up after the head came off and did another look-see and then. <laughs> um, okay. Percy's probably freaked out by that. Mm -hmm. Scott's like, oh, well, you, you technically aren't, your head technically isn't dead quite yet. The second it comes off the body but it's still creepy nonetheless. Um, he's He tries to counsel her on that as well as he can, even if it's just a shoulder to rest on. Which she will accept. Um, and she tells you, she says, Pressy, I missed you so much. She's, I did not think that we would ever be able to be together with the way things were. And then when everything changed, I had my hopes. And then everyone started dying and I thought my time was numbered. And now we found each other again, and maybe for once, we will be able to be together. Yes, it does seem like the world doesn't want us to be together, wants us to be apart, doesn't it? I would prefer to stay with you no matter what happens. I'm afraid if we separate again that I'll never see you again. He, he actually does, like, sigh and pause and probably look away for a bit. Um, says, you know what? I've done this too, way too many times that any man should. Melly, will you stay with me? I'm sorry, I don't have it. But I promise I won't see you again. As he does, like, a... <laughs> a poor man's proposal, I guess, because he doesn't have a ring. And it's not really technically a marriage proposal, but it's definitely a, like, I don't want to leave you. She says, she thinks about it for a second, and you see her kind of look around, 
And she looks back at you and she says, Pressy, yes, yes, Christoph, yes, I will stay with you. Whatever happens, I, I don't want to lose you again. I have, I have loved you since, I knew it since the moment that I could not see you anymore. When you were gone and I had to go into hiding and I thought only of you for a long time and I thought perhaps I would never see you again. And she throws her arms around you and gives you a kiss. He, he returns the favor. And she's crying in the moment, but she's also happy. In, in a way, Kristoff is as well. She says to you, whatever happens, we will, we will do this together. Whether we stay or we leave, we will do everything together from now on. I'm actually wondering, I don't want to do this to you, Dylan, Jamie, but I'm wondering if Pressy would just bail. Would he? I mean, um, it'd be valid. That's fair. Would he, he, would he, what is it called? Elope or whatever? Hmm. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what he'd be eloping to. There's no parents anymore. All the parents are dead. <laughs> <laughs> now, Pressy did hear the warning from the um he did get the same warning that everyone else did from the ghoul that he has seen uh the blind man writing names and that the end of the world is coming we have like five days right yeah Yeah, you have five days from today oh gosh enjoy those five days if you do run away (laughs) um I doubt Melody has any form of self-defense training at all. Mm. I doubt it. I mean, in this era, I I can't see, especially a a noble lady like her. It's Mm -hmm. very unladylike to shoot a gun or use a knife. Mm. Except if if you're Yosef Ugel, Ugel knew how to do all those things. Yes. Yes, she that did. is the exception, not the rule. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, Melody isn't isn't really pulling off that type where she's um, uh, Jasmine, where she's kind of like rebelling against her own nobility. Not really getting that. But oh. um, if he can, he's going to try to. Um, yeah, you know, I'm going to roleplay Melody. Stuff. There's one last thing I want to do in Paris. After this, we'll leave and never come back. All right. What is it that we have to do? You remember Babon and the others, right? Ah, uh, your yes, your your fellow soldiers. Yes. We are. Uh, we are not in the best of ropes. And um, he goes to explain what he can without being like, "Hey, there, your, your, here's your your dad's head was on an undead woman's body," and all, he doesn't go through the the, the weird the crypt stuff, okay. but he does go over weird now enemies of the law because the guy in charge is corrupt. So uh, we're running away from the secret police, and I, I want to go find them and try to make sure they're safe before we go. So she um, says, well, 
Um, <laughs> sorry, I don't know names very well. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I. Yes, we we can't leave your your friends. They served with you. They, you all took care of each other during that terrible terrible happenings back at the count's house all those years ago you all went through something i i don't i don't know i'm it was terrible i i don't remember all of it myself but yes you can't leave your friends behind i i will go with you um if he if he has time i mean he doesn't but He's probably going to spend the rest of the day trying to show her how to shoot the rifle. All right. Um, so you are going to... And it's probably going to be kind of like Titanic, where he's like behind her, you know, and like holding her arms, you know. All right. Um, I'm going to have you make me another luck roll. You can use an advantage die to uh, for this. Okay. This is like, this is like a worst case scenario. He does not want her to shoot, but... He doesn't want her to be completely failing like I am. Um, so, yeah, so um, she struggles to to figure out how to use the gun. Um, it's it's something that would take some time. She actually, uh, what if you load it for her and give it to her, she can obviously take a shot with it, but she d- she's not able to really get the whole loading and f- firing process off by herself. But if she okay. had a single shot, I mean, she could at least use it to defend herself. Maybe a more reasonable, the uh, maybe we tried it with the pistol or something. You start with the rifle and then you just hand her the flintlock and tell her don't point the other end at herself. Yeah. I mean, I'm probably not going to have a bayonet on the end anymore. We're not doing trench warfare anymore. True. All right. So while Pressy is spending the day. I, I, I Actually, one last thing. Yes. Um, we pro- I probably go to the graveyard because we did say that was going to be our meeting point. Okay, so toward like after all of this, you're going to head over to the graveyard. Yeah. All right. So, uh, meanwhile, uh, the the other members of the party, so Dupois and Babon with Cesar and Bonaparte in tow, you slip through the streets of Paris in the crowds, eventually uh, finding your way to the cemetery. Um, and you are looking around for your friend, uh, the ghoul, who said that he would meet you. Now, it's, it's pretty bright out here, uh, sunlight and everything. Make some spot checks, some spot hidden, to see if you can locate your ghoulish friend. <laughs> no. Uh, let's see if Cesar sees anything of interest. Uh-huh. Look at my boy. <laughs> he can't do medicine very well, but everything else. He did medicine amazingly, just not for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so Cesar, um, you see him sort of like he's walking along with you and he looks over his, to his left. And then he just sort of stumbles back and like puts his hand on Babylon's shoulder. And he's like, what is that? Baba. And he just points into the shadows by a stone wall near, um, like, a little mausoleum building. And he just points. Um, I kind of look to see where he's pointing, kind of squinting a little bit. For a moment, you d- just see shadow. And then you see these two pinpricks of yellow that Ugh. you recognize as the ghoul's eyes. And it just, you see it just 
very easily sort of comes slightly out of the shadow and it gives you this horrible toothy grin and it's got a little bit of like something left stuck in its teeth and it motions you back into the shadows and it disappears again. I get to clap my hand on Cesar's shoulder. It's it's a devil. That's maybe, but it also saved our lives. So we trust it. He looks at you with very wide eyes. Like he is not sure that he's even seeing it. But he will take you at your word and stay about stay about five paces behind you as you move forward. Yeah, I move forward towards the shadows. Alright, so you move into the shadows and you hear a crunching sound as you step into the shadows and your eyes adjust and you see uh the ghoul is chewing on what appears to be the remains of a foot. And he looks at you and he says, Bonjour, mon ami, you have returned. Yes, I have. Though you look a little unwell, looks like you have foot and mouth disease. <laughs> you're, <laughs> you're very <laughs> funny. No, but do you want any? And he holds out the foot. I just ate. All right. And he eats off one of the two toes that's left. Mm, we could have a toast to friendship. <laughs> Bon chance. <laughs> he says, I did not know if you would return. Well, it was either come back here or be killed by secret police. So we chose to come back here. Are you still hunted then? It would appear so. Oh, your time is running out. If they capture you, no one will be able to stop what is coming. Mm-hmm. Yes, well, hopefully we stop it before we get captured. What can I do for you, my friends? Well, you said that you saw Citizen Regalt at a, a house on the Seine. No? The monster? Yes. We. Oui. I know where he stays. I see him in the window on the second floor at night. Mm. Well, we were wondering if you might be able to lead us there. Yes. Yes, I can show you where it is. Yes. Yes. I can show you. We, we have to wait for our friend first, but once he gets here, we would appreciate that. He looks over your shoulder. He goes, yes, you are one short. I thought perhaps perhaps you grew hungry on your journey. Well, before I did get a little hungry and I hold up my wooden hand. <laughs> the, the ghoul like tilts his head. I do, not I do not understand your humor. It was a real treat. Mm. <laughs> So he settles into the shadow and waits patiently. Um, and after, like, you you end up waiting for a bit. It's probably another two hours before Pressy returns. Um, but you do hear footsteps moving through the graveyard. And you see Pressy with Melody behind him, like, hand in hand, kind of looking around. What the fuck is this idiot Traveling doing? over to the <laughs> He brought the girl. 
They're probably holding hands, too. Yes. <laughs> she would definitely be holding your hand. <laughs> the Between the two of you, as you're both face-palming and doing this, the ghoul sticks his head between you both, and he goes, She is a tasty morsel. Don't, don't say it around Pressy. He backs back up onto a mound of dirt and sits down waiting. You're fucking what, mate? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. You're having a giggle over there. So, Pressy, you are looking around for any sign of your friends. Do you want to make me a spot hidden check to see if you can locate them? <laughs> I'm sure you can hear the groans of disappointment and follow that. <laughs> um, could he do a listen check? To sure. Hear that? Yes, he can. <laughs> oh, right. Oh my god. <laughs> he definitely hears. He hears like uh, uh, culture groan. The. He actually looks your guys' direction when he said, she looked kind of tasty. He's going to be like, you fucking what? And he pulls up the musket and he points to the shadows. And now he'll spot it. He can't see anything over there. He just heard this creepy voice. He just hears that. Just hears giggling. When you pull out your gun, Melody steps behind you. And it's like, Pussy, what is it? Are we in trouble? Should we run? Just stay behind me. We'll be fine. Okay. <laughs> So like, can we see? We can see Pressy. Oh yeah, he's out in the. It's it's the you know like later afternoon. It's daylight. You can definitely see Pressy and Melody. I'm gonna reach into my little bag and pull out my busted hand, the one I use to like smash the cow in the face. Mm-hmm. That's gonna chuck it at Pressy. He's probably gonna shoot it. Ooh, make an attack roll. He thinks maybe. Hit me, I swear to. God. He, he's not sure about he's not sure about those ghouls. Like they're all right. In the... <laughs> he might think it's a ghoul just freaking jumping at him for all he knows. Mm. Uh, shoot the musket! Here we go. I swear, if I crit fail and explodes, and I die. Okay. Boop. Okay. Hey. Okay. Hey. So the uh, the hand, you guys, the musket goes off. And the hand, what's left of it, sort of explodes into splinters. You see Melody, you hear this, ah! And you see her dive behind a gravestone. Like, she just sort of leaps back. And just, you hear a thump as she disappears behind a gravestone. And the ghoul, like, goes flat on the pile of dirt. And he's like, we run! And he starts scampering behind the dirt pile. And he disappears into the, like, this hole you didn't see. No, come back here! Cesar just flattens himself against the wall of the mausoleum, and he is like, grabs Babon, pulls Babon behind as well. Baba, we're under attack. Wait, Babon, is that you? You hear from behind one of the gravestones as I took cover. Yes, it's us, you idiot. You just see from around the corner of the mausoleum, just (laughs) this sticking out. Why? Suckly and blue, why did you scare me like that? As he's already like reloading, he's probably like two rounds in to reloading his musket. You hear from in the shadow behind the pile of dirt, we're all going to die. It is inevitable. These, these are the ones that I have asked to save the world. <laughs> and then the yellow eyes pop back into sight. 
All right. Are, am I showing you where to go now? We, we. I'm happy to see you guys all right, at least. I don't know how much that means now. Pressy, oh, so I've always been all right, so. <laughs> As you get a look at everyone, you, you take in the fact that um, the sergeant is not with your friends. I gotta hand it to you. You, pre you scared me there. <laughs> Do you know how expensive those things are? And you just shot it. <laughs> you threw it at me. I didn't think you were going to shoot it. I thought a secret police was some kind of bomb or something. <laughs> <laughs> it was a Molotov cocktail. Just come quiet out. You hear from behind that gravestone, Christoph, is it safe to come out? Yes. No. Relatively. <laughs> you see Melody stand up and she is like covered in dirt and dust where she just... And she's trying to kind of wipe herself off with a, her handkerchief. And she wipes. And she walks over and takes Pressy's hand and looks at you all. And then she gets the eyeful of the ghoul. Does and, she, like, go insane and stab me or something? I don't know. We'll find We're out. We're about to find see. out. She goes insane and goes feral and just bites me to jugular. Oh. Uh, she gives a startled little, like, scream, but not, like, as big as when you shot the gun. Uh, she again is behind you, Pressy, like, burying her face in your back. Uh, but otherwise, she seems to take it fairly well. Um, it seems that her and ordeal five years ago at the Count's, uh, special party may have, you know, strengthened her res resolve a little bit on these strange occurrences. I was about to say, I think a ghoul is not nowhere near as effed up as those parties. Probably not. So, the ghoul uh, is just looking at you all. Just looking back and forth and back and forth. He finishes his foot and throws the bone away. So, did anyone figure out anything? We got a little distracted. I look back at Melody, same. She smiles and waves at you all. Bonjour. Uh. She says, Christoph, who is that? And she points at the ghoul sitting on top of the pile of dirt again. Did I ever get the ghoul's name? Did he even have a name? I think he did, yeah. Did you ask him his name? I feel like was... he did at some point. Like, something man he, said, <laughs> he smiles at her with these like jagged sharp teeth and he says I am the ghoul that was Gulam oh, uh, yeah that's what it was <laughs> it was Gulam as soon as I heard that I was like oh yeah I, he probably says something along the lines of he's very sick <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much it the ghoul like kind of looks at you waiting. Do you want me to show you to the monster's abode or? What time of day is it? Five, uh, it's five. afternoon. Okay. Yeah, you guys took some time to sort of rest, get patched up and uh, things of that nature. Okay. It looked like the ghoul 
can't go out in the sun or just prefers not to be in the sun? Um, it looks like um, he just he did stick his head out so you could see him and then moved away. It looks like he's he prefers the shadow because he knows his appearance would okay. cause chaos. <clears throat> so like we could leave now since it's afternoon. He says, um, I know a shortcut. He motions through the crypt. He motions towards the hole. It's through the crypt. Of course. Uh, uh, he sees your uh like di- like the fact that you're a little bit unhappy about this and he says I can always just tell you where to go. It could be useful to have him around. It could be, yeah, that's true. Because he's going to be that guy. Where do we need to go? They're looking for the monster. Mm. Well, I mean, when I say that guy, I mean, he's probably going to be like, oh, well, Melody might be frightened. Ooh, we should not have the ghoul with us, even though it would probably help us in the long run. You guys probably get that, like, body language vibe from him, where he's just, like, mm-hmm. conflicting thoughts. Why well, shouldn't, shouldn't bring... Hey, if we're if I'm if we're gonna die, we're gonna die together. Damn it! Dupa is so angry. <laughs> oh, I bet Scott's kind of angry. <laughs> like Dylan understands Dupa, not anymore. <laughs> you see the um, you see the ghoul start strumming his fingers on the dirt pile. Maybe we should have him show us where to go. Hmm. Does Dupont have like a bunch of spare straw and he accidentally dropped the last one when Chrissy showed up? <laughs> I don't know, that was really that was really cool. That, that was a good one. Like, mm. So yeah, Dupont will probably get up and like walk over to the, where the hole is and be like mm. it is it is quicker than going through the streets. And less likely to be seen by the secret police. Yes. Oui. That is true. Have you ever seen their leader? The man in the dark black coat. He likes to stand in the shadow and watch smoking a cigarette. He doesn't know that I like to watch him too. Uh, if we if we knew he wouldn't be much of a secret police now, would he? You make a very valid point. <laughs> and then he scuttles down into the the hole and disappears under the dirt. <sighs> Prezi takes off his jacket and puts it over Melon. She says, where are, where are we going, Prezi? We're going to... Um, I, he already had the talk of, like, it's going to be the end of the world real soon, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. He's like, we're going to die one way or another. I'd rather have us die fighting than cowering in a corner. And to, and to be together. She... Uh, but one of that moment, like, ear buffs Cesar. <laughs> he swat. Papa, Papa, stop. Papa. Don't wait. you, this is, this is, why, why do you friend love Papa? Wait, wait, why no, is no. Cesar here? Isn't he, isn't he supposed to be out? Isn't, wasn't he going to Spain? I'm leaving tomorrow. I didn't tell him about the whole end of the world thing. <laughs> Trying to keep that on the DL. End of the what, Papa? Ugh. <sighs> Even Pressy, well. even Pressy's like, uh. 
<laughs> uh, so that important thing I said we have to do. Yes. Unless we stop something, the world's gonna end in five days. He looks at you. He's like looking over your face, trying to decide whether or not he like thinks that you're of your right mind. And his eyes kind of like widen as he sees that you definitely believe this. He, you look at him, he, he doesn't know that he does, it seems. He seems like he's questioning the truth of this statement. But you can see that he believes you believe it. He sort of puts a hand on your shoulder and kind of pats it. Like, all right, Papa. It's all right. Then I will not leave you until this is resolved. I appreciate that, Cesar. Even if you that are... means, even if that means ignoring my commission. Well, the world ends. Who cares? Yeah. You are a good son. You have a lot of faith in your father. He is the best man that I know. I try to be like him. Pressy like tilts his head like, wait, really? <laughs> and then says, <laughs> uh, and on that note, Cesar will actually uh, go into the hole after the ghoul. I'll jump in after Cesar. Yeah, call Bonaparte over and go in with them. Bonaparte uh, comes running over holding the bone from the foot. <laughs> just like looking at you <laughs> with this happy, touch. like his tail wagging again. Like this, he just looks like he wants you to take it and throw it for him. I uh, gives him a smirk and like pets his head a little and just like, come on, buddy. He'll put the, like drop the bone and he'll follow you down the hole. <laughs> I was about to say, Pressy, he doesn't know how to deal with animals. So he probably would like, Take the bone and throw it, and the dog would just go fetch it and bring it back. <laughs> but I'm not going to go that far. All right. Um, he <laughs> tries to... Uh, it's just it's just going to be awkward this whole time. I, I would just say that. We'll just get that covered right away. The whole... He's going to be trying to, like, make this the least uncomfortable for her as possible, <laughs> even though it doesn't make any sense to, because it doesn't really matter. But that's why he's got, like, the whole, like, Oh, there's a puddle in the middle of the street. I'm going to put my jacket down so you don't have to eat your feet wet. Mm. Yeah. All right. Turns into a wheel of cheese for a head, you know. That's <laughs> um, okay. It's me in real life, so. So she takes a last look at you, Pressy, and then she, uh, very hesitantly, she moves toward the hole to follow after your friends, um, taking your hand as she goes because she does not want to go here alone. Oh, yeah, he... He will definitely, like, if he can stay in physical contact the whole time, like, hold hands, he will. Now, Babon, do you still have your dented and bruised lamp that you, are your lantern that you made it down the chute with the last time? I think I still have it. I don't think I got rid of it. All right. Because when you go down here, it is, again, very, very dark. Yeah, yeah, because it stayed lit the whole time. Yeah, so I'll relight it. All right, so you guys come out, uh, and you're in another uh, underground sort of tunnel. Um, you see up ahead, the uh, the ghoul is sort of waiting. You see the reflection of his yellow eyes in the lantern light from Babon's lantern. And he motions for you to follow him, and he leads you uh, away through the tunnels. Uh, this time, you're able to, he doesn't rush you. You're able to take your time, um, because you're not actively being chased by a madman. 
Um, and it doesn't take you too long. You maybe spend about 30 or 40 minutes underground before he brings you up through this sort of like really worn dilapidated stairs that look like they've been unused in a long, long time. And you come out sort of in a side street out of this sort of like sewer. You kind of come into a sewer and then out into the street from there. And he said, he points up the road and he says, on the corner there, the Rue de la Père and the Rue Neuve Saint-Augustine. That is where you will find the residence of the monster. He says, there is a door at the street level. You can probably observe it from another street or residence somewhere across the way. I will stay nearby and watch. When it gets dark, I will find you again. And he sort of slips back into the shadows. What do you guys want to do? Well, let's kick down that door. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, God. I do have an axe. Chunk. <laughs> Chunk. <laughs> you use your one middle finger hand and get just stuck on the first strike. It's just like... <laughs> he just opens no. the door and Babon goes with the door. <laughs> just like hanging on to it. <laughs> He's the only one that survives because he was like hiding behind the door. <laughs> the door swings outward and I just hold on to it. It's just like... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just imagining like the bad guy walking out and you're there and he doesn't see you and he just like closes the door behind him and it's just like <laughs> it's like in those movies where they open the closet door there's somebody like in a trench coat that's hanging on a hook yeah <laughs> they the don't nerd. see him the, the nerd like the younger brother nerd's been hung up on the, on the... <laughs> yeah just like <laughs> hey guys the um but Francie um probably with the years of military experience and training and mm. everyone else has too. We probably immediately want to scout out the scout out around the building. Mm. I was thinking of going uh if there's anywhere up high Percy can go, you probably want to be going to do that. Okay. Yeah, he does mm -hmm. see the there are a number of buildings and the buildings are fairly close together here. Um and you could get up to the third story of and the roof area of a building without too much trouble. Maybe we can have one of us specifically watching the door <clears throat> while the rest kind of do like the perimeter search and all that stuff. I'm wounded, so I could probably do that. What happened? Find a shady place, sit with Bonaparte, watch the door. Well, you remember, Pressy, the last time that you saw Dupois, he was uh, bleeding pretty heavily. You'd had to staunch the bullet wound that he took. Um, oh right, this tumbling. is called Cthulhu. Never mind. Yep. So yeah. Tumbling down into the <laughs> yeah, uh, catacombs. <laughs> Cesar right. has recommended a number of days bed rest for Dupois, but Dupois has declined that suggestion. What? I thought we took a nap. You know, we're fine. Yeah. A couple uh, hours of bed rest are good for me. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, uh, so Pressy, you want to try to get like a bird's eye view of the the area? And mm -hmm. Dupois, you're going to kind of do like a street level, like keeping an eye on it? Yeah. All right. I just want to see like comings and goings if there is any. 
Okay. And um, I'll kind of just take a large perimeter walk, just keeping an eye on the building, just trying to get like each angle of it from the street mm-hmm. level while Pressy's up getting the aerial view of it. Uh, Cesar, um, before you all part ways, he says, what if I take uh, the young woman, Melody, was it, and we will go further down closer to the Seine and keep an eye out for anyone coming and going in case there is any chance that we were followed. We did have to make a quick, hasty escape from the safe house you were pulled up in. Hmm. Do you have anything to defend yourself with, son? I have my scalpel, father. <laughs> and my wits. I am... I do not think that I would end up in a fist fisticuffs. Okay. <laughs> you just give him one of your hands, he just uses a club. <laughs> yeah, I just <laughs> give him one of the other hands. Feel like one that's an actual real hand and not the middle finger hand. <laughs> you look at the middle finger hand, you look at the real one, and you're like, mm, take this one. Take the real hand so you can challenge someone to duel. He looks at Pressy and he says um, to you, is that all right if I escort the, your your woman friend? I will guard her with my life, my friend. Um, Are you fine with that, Melody? Uh, she looks at you and she says, I thought we would not part again, Christoph. I mean, that's I will why, do, I will do that's it. That's why I'm asking you. If, do you think it is safer for me to, to go? I don't think I can follow you to the rooftops safely. I'll be right up there. You'll see me the whole time. All right. Keep my eye on you. She uh, will give you back your jacket because it, you know, like she kind of has cleaned herself off and it looks less um, questionable. And it's not a jacket covered in sewer slime and all True. that. True. And uh, she and Kristoff, uh, or she and uh, Bye. Cesar, yeah, Kristoff <laughs> and Melody are gone. Now she and Cesar will. Oh, wow. All right. Okay. A, a couple, they will go a couple blocks away and kind of circle back to the main road further down the street from the apartments. I, I do give her. A loaded flintlock pistol. Okay. So so Cesar is not armed, but Melody is armed. Melody. Um, well, he's like partially armed. He's handed. And we've yeah. probably come up with a decent spot for her to hide it. She probably has like a, you know, just put it in here, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, she has like a, a, like a satchel bag from like her work. She usually oh. carry things in. Oh, so much she, better. Much yeah, better. So she'll just yeah. put it inside there. All right. So the rest of you. Um, you move closer to Regalt's apartment on the corner. Um, and at a distance, you can see uh, where the front door sits uh, on the Rue Neuve St. Augustine. It sort of sits right at the corner. Um, and the building on the outside, you see that above the door, there's a facade that is a detailed carving of wreaths and scrollwork. But it's surrounded by a completely blank oval that's been painted black. So you all know that aristocratic families and people with titles they would they would their names would be prominently displayed above their households but you heard you saw regalt back five years ago he declared for the revolutionaries in versailles and you had heard over the years that he renounced his titles as part of his joining the revolution and he gave up the right to his titles because he wanted to fully commit to the revolution in Paris. 
Um, so you can see that it looks like he has just completely blacked out any link to the old name and titles here. Um, so it's, it's probably about close to three o'clock in the afternoon right now. And what you do notice is there is some foot traffic on the street. Um, and you see a, a couple of carriages actually pull up outside the front door of Regalt's building. And you see some people exit the carriages. And they're not very, like, splendid carriages. They're just nondescript, kind of everyday, like, transportation. And the door opens, and they're greeted by what appears to be a butler at the front door. And they're sort of ushered inside the building. And at your count, you, you count, like, five or six people over the course of maybe 15 or 20 minutes who sort of show up and are casually offered entrance inside the apartment. And the door closes. I mean, you could see, like, there are some lights inside. And you can hear some muffled sound of, like, voices coming from within. So, what are you guys doing as you see this? I've probably found, like, a shady little corner. Probably by, like, some barrels or something. Mm -hmm. Like, in an alleyway or something. With a view of the door. Um, and I'm just sort of sitting there with Bonaparte. With, like, my hood up. Just sort of petting him really close to me. Maybe if I can find something to play fetch with a little bit, I'll like throw it down the alley, have it bring him back and stuff. Okay. Um, I'm probably like as casually as I can, just kind of walking around the street, just like around the block a couple of times, just trying to look at the house at all angles from the street. Okay. And Prissy? Um so you said I was able to get up to like a third story mm -hmm. of the building or something. Um, he's just he's just watching the windows and stuff from all up there. All right, so you can all roll me spot hidden checks. And Babon, since you are passing close by the house, you can also roll a listen check. Oh, oh, thank goodness. Listen. Oh. All right. So. Um. I'm going to spend some luck on that spot hidden. Okay. okay. All right. So um, you all notice from your different vantage points, you see these people kind of come and uh, they enter the house and they, um, they, they leave sort of in stages of people. And you, you notice that uh, apparently some of them look like as they're leaving, um, like one man had gone in and he comes out and it looks like his eye has kind of been bandaged. Like he's been maybe treated by a doctor and he's escorted out by the young woman that came with him. And a little while later, another person kind of leaves and he sort of has, um, he kind of has like a small bottle. It looks like he has some pills or something with him. So it looks like to all of you from your different vantage points, as you see them leaving that Regalt is seeing patients during the course of the afternoon that he still has an active uh, medical practice out of his house. And you guys spend uh, probably a couple hours sort of watching this happen. And the last patient leaves after a while. They're escorted to the door by the butler who sees them out. And once they leave, um, you notice some other people start to show up a little while later. These, these guests uh, start showing up. They're more fancily dressed not like the aristocratic dress but just nicer clothes uh almost like a, a dinner party type attire 
and oh. like four four guests show up and they go to the door in a group and knock at the door and now it's it's kind of you know later it's about dinner time at this point and they are actually greeted at the door you see the door open from all your different vantage points and you see uh citizen regalt sort of greet them at the door and he you hear him you can all hear him in the street ah oh, my my guests my friends yes come dinner is served my servants have have prepared a wonderful meal i'm so glad you could come out this evening and join me and he ushers them inside and you can see uh pressy from your vantage point and dupois uh it looks like they're being ushered into like a sitting room hmm. that's kind of in the front of the house you can see through the front door like there's a couple of like nice couches and that monster i know it's terrible Dupois, you also noticed from your, or not Dupois, but uh, Pressy, from your vantage point uh, on the third story, you can see that the curtains are mostly drawn on the second floor of Regal's apartment, uh, but you can kind of see into it, looks like there's like a sort of an office room. The curtains just, and there's like a, a little desk kind of sitting there. So, mm. uh, so his guests come and they, and they dine and you can hear the noise gets a little louder and um, as it seems that they have like pre-dinner drinks. And then you even hear the uh, the butler call through the open windows that dinner is served. And you can hear from outside uh, Babon as you pass the windows, the guests moving into what must be a dining room as they kind of pass by. And after a while, the, uh, the party kind of comes to an end after another couple hours. So you guys kind of continue your surveillance um and the guests slowly leave at which point um you see the upstairs in the window pressy of the office uh it sort of lights up as it looks like someone has moved up into the office and is now sitting at the desk with a candle lit and as the breeze blows through the open window and sort of move the curtains you can see regalt sitting at this desk his head down he looks like he's peering over something that's on the desktop, be it a book or notes or something like that. And he's just sort of kind of distractedly working at whatever he's doing. Okay. So this is now, it, it's gotten to be now, it's like probably after eight o'clock, almost nine o'clock at night. You guys have been sort of continuing to watch the house very closely. Do you, do you hold your positions and keep sort of watching what he's doing. Um, did I notice anything with his guests at all? I, I would think during that whole time the party's going on, he's probably like, I wonder what their connections are to him. Is he? Mm. Does he think of them as possible new heads? Or are these going to be new heads of the whatever world he's going to rule or whatever Pressy thinks is going to happen? All right, uh, Pressy, and if the other two were also sort of trying to figure it out, you guys can roll me... Let's see, let's see. Um, so you could roll me a, do, do, do. Like, everybody give me intelligence checks. Okay. I'm super smart, this will work I well. Know. Oh, yes, oh, I am. Oh my gosh. Wow. Oh, look at that. See, it helps when you're sarcastic about it, and then yeah. it just like, it like, you know like, what? I'm like, oh, I can't hear anything. My listen checks are terrible. Yeah. All right. I have to. I don't know. I can't hear a single thing. All right. I hear all things. Kristoff is just like, rain blast. 
Just like the zoom into your brain. It just like it just like, it just like the, the skull, like one of the symbols that's on the skull. Melody, a, a baguette, and then, like, <laughs> and then it's together. All right. So, um, what you noticed is um, that as they're leaving, you get a much better look at them. You kind of see them in passing inside the windows and things like that throughout the night. And you start to get an inkling of who a few of them are. Um, and then as they're leaving, you sort of paying attention more detail to kind of make sure that you're sure that, oh, that is exactly who I thought it was. Um, and you do recognize um, Robosphere, who is basically in charge of the the new regime in, in Paris and who is kind of the like driving force behind the guillotines and is like, he's leading France right now. Like he is basically kind of making the decisions and he decides what's going on. And he seems as he's leaving, you see him uh, give like regal, like the, like the friendliest, like goodbye, like kiss, kiss on the cheek. Like they're very close. They're very like, they seem very friendly. Like they are, comrades in arms um you also see that one of the guests um is this tall man and as he comes out he lights a cigarette and you realize that this is heron the head of the secret police right so you realize immediately that regalt definitely work like walks in like the highest circles of influence right now he always has and he always will i guess mm. so they uh they walk out they say their goodbyes you see uh heron just sort of uh pulls up his hood and he walks off into the darkness down the street as if he has other business the other three wait for a carriage to pull up and they climb into the carriage and they and they leave with the carriage. And then Regalt has gone back in and he goes upstairs to the office. On figuring out that much and his his uh, smoke probably coming out of his ears. This is more than what he's used to being able to mentally process. He um, he probably heads down and tries to get to everybody else. First, of course, checking on our two um, non-combatants. Okay, so do you want to make me a stealth check to slip down from your hiding spot? Oh boy, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. Uh, Five away. I got 15 left. Do it. I have eight left, so. I got 14 left. You have the highest luck of us all. I mean, we already have secret police after us. This is true. I'm going to do it just because, yeah. All right, so you spend your luck. All right, I mean, so... I'm already dragging Melody along. So, so you, you start to come down from your perch, and you almost slip. So, and for a second, like, you're, you, you see, like, your musket that you had sort of up there. It looks like you're about to lose it to slide off, but you grab it. You get your hand on it, and you kind of hustle it back over your shoulder and you get your footing and you sort of climb back down to the street level. And you can easily see Dupois with uh, Bonaparte down one of the side streets. And you can see um, coming around the other corner, uh, Heron sort of disappeared off into the right. 
heading back toward the river and Babon is sort of making his way back up the street in another pass coming by. So eventually um, you all meet back up in Dupois's little alleyway. Okay. Percy just barfs the information that he figured out to everybody. Mm. Maybe not super loud, you know, doing the whole like super shady thing where we're in an alley and I'm like looking around, make sure nobody else sees us. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He, he sees the ghoul and he's like, yeah, you do. You do see like the the yellow eyes at the back of the alley. Like at some point, the ghoul has slipped in, and has just been watching. So, as you guys are back down there, mm-hmm. and you've seen Heron sort of walk away, do you kind of hang out and wait a bit before you sort of head off and away? Probably. I'm wondering. I'll probably tell the boys this mm-hmm. like if he's like retiring for the night or if he's gonna go do some shady shit himself because it was it was like late at night when he went to the cemetery right yeah he didn't he didn't get to the cemetery until probably almost midnight last night shit all right and it's after That's nine now couple hours probably think that what he's doing upstairs is the actual his Day mm. job paperwork. He's just finishing that up, probably. That's that's possible. That, yeah. Or writing his memoir about how awesome he is and everyone's gonna die. <laughs> you know, one or the other. The next song for his best. Opera. I'm the best. I'm the best. <laughs> Everyone. I'm the head of so. I'm the head of so many heads. I control <laughs> all these heads. I am the head lord. I'm gonna look so good in my new fancy ruler of the royal robes. It's gonna be awesome. <laughs> So, my bro, my bro the, uh, the head of secret police, complimented my tats. <laughs> so, oh, I love the skulls, bro. He's just writing in his journal, Heron plus Robespierre question mark with a little heart drone on him. <laughs> he's, got, he's got one of those 90s um, pink girl ones that have like the yeah, voice yeah. box. Yeah. Wow. Then, like, voice wants we have to speak the password for it to open up. <laughs> wow. The password is guillotine. Password. <laughs> the password is. <laughs> The password is, it's like this eldritch stuff in the world tremble. So, um, thinking about that, Dupois, like you you remember that he didn't show up to the cemetery until probably midnight or shortly after. Um, okay. What do you guys want to do? Um, Percy would remember, but we, there was, some, there was stuff in his basement, like his book. We thought it was going to be in his basement or something. That's why we're here. We're going to try to get the we're book. We weren't sure where the book was. Mm. Right. You you were told by the ghoul that at some point, Citizen Regalt was in the catacombs with a leather-bound book of some kind, mm. uh, and that he was using that and incanting some kind of incantations into the skulls to give him his abilities. Well, it'd be a lot easier to... Uh check the whole place out the fewer people are inside especially him because we can't just him you know yeah we we the um we should stay together this time (laughs) yeah probably (laughs) i'm not gonna piss on a chair again wait did i ever tell you about that yeah i had to piss on a chair i saw it don't worry (laughs) we all saw it (laughs) oh oh so good (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so as you all wait in the alleyway 
Uh, it gets on to about 11. And you see uh, the light go out in the office upstairs. And a short time later, the front door to the apartment opens. And you see a woman and you see the butler. The, they're both oh. wearing they're both wearing like cloaks as if like traveling cloaks. Um, and he is politely escorting her out the door. And he turns back and he's and you hear the butler say, Monsieur, we are off for the night. We will be back first thing in the morning to see you. And you hear Regalt from inside. You hear his boots across the floor. And he, as he comes to the doorway, he's kind of pulling on his overcoat. And he says, very good, very good. I will see you in the morning. Thank you. Good night. And so the butler and the woman sort of descend the steps and kind of head off and up the street away. So they appear to be heading home for the night. And you see uh, Regalt step into the street and he waits a moment looking left and right. And you all hear like the sound of a horse like and carriage coming up the road. And as it pulls up outside the front of the house, he snuffs out the candle just inside the door. He pulls the door shut and you see him turn a key in the lock. And then he quickly steps down the stairs, walks across the front and climbs into the carriage. And he says, to the stables, please. And he goes off in this carriage and disappears up the road and away. The whole apartment now dark. I think that's our cue. <laughs> yeah. Um, could I get a spot hidden to see if maybe he took the book with him? Ooh, yeah, that's good. sure. That's a good point. Because we could get royally screwed. Boom. All right, so you, Pressy, uh, sort of move yourself quietly to the edge of the alley and watch intently as he moves across, and you see him in the streetlight entering the carriage, and you sort of give, like, a quick once-over. He has no um, sort of, like, bags or anything with him. Uh, he's not carrying, like, he's got his flintlock in his belt, and other than that, he's not carrying anything on him. And you don't see anything that looks like this because the, the ghoul described this bigger book. And you remember. We, we saw it. Yeah, you, we saw it. Yeah. Yeah. You're pretty yeah. sure that it's like the description of it is that same book you saw just really quickly in uh, yeah. the Kant's basement. So you, you give a look and you look back at the other two and you, you shake your head like, no, I don't think he has the book on him. It, you, you said it was like a tome or something, wasn't it? It was like a it big was, Yeah, it was a bigger yeah. book. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty big. Mm-hmm. Not really something you can just hide under your shirt or something. No. Unless you want to look like you have like a big square belly or something. He used to have a big square belly. No. That's true, he did. Now he looks He was carrying the tomb the entire time. Armor abs crabs. <laughs> um, when I was doing my like walk around, did I see any other sort of doors or is this like his only door you can roll me a spot hidden and i will tell hmm. you what you saw on your walk around Fuck. <laughs> you i see shit you completely <laughs> forgot to pay attention to the back and sides of the house you were every time you would casually walk and sort of mind your own business until you got to the front every single time God. you maybe have were distracted worrying whether or not cesar was all right cool 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 
You're just like, uh, hmm, I wonder why, what details in my hand I can look at now. You don't even know if there are any other windows but these front windows. I don't remember that spot being on my hand. What is this? That that one robot movie with Robin Williams where he's just like, I know this place like the back of my hand. Oh, that's new. <laughs> so is that me, Bebal's going to put on a dress and sing Britney Spears? Maybe yeah. That's a point. <laughs> I mean, next time we lose a sanity roll, you might. Probably. But um, would would Pressy have seen like maybe vines to climb up on the window to the second floor or something? Mm. Um, you didn't see any vines, but I mean, you... or, or just like some a way to climb up. Um, just you think you could try to climb up the outside of the the house? Like there are shutters on the windows and stuff like that. You maybe could use footholds. We could just go through the front door. If I could, Jimmy the lock. You could try you think, that. You think you could do that? Maybe. I did it before. I mean, what's the worst that could happen? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. So, are you guys going to move to the front door and try to enter the residence? Yeah. I, I think I'll tell them to stay behind at first. Okay. And I'll go across the street alone. And see if I can actually do it first. Get there. With your four hit points. You, you, you get you get there at the door with the with the pick lock stuff ready and just is like a tomb of horrors on the door frame. <laughs> Please stick hand into mouth to open. <laughs> oh, okay. Are you being sneaky, Dupois? Of course I am. I'm being very sneaky. Would you like me to roll a stealth check? I, see how yeah, sneaky? why not? Let's see how sneaky we are. Maybe. Ah. Oh, thank goodness. All right, so Dupois tells you both to wait, and then he quickly moves across to the uh, other side of the street and to the door. Uh, a second passes, and Bonaparte stealthily scuttles after him to the other side of the road. <laughs> probably just briefly, very briefly, glimpse of his tail. Mm -hmm. That's probably all we see. <laughs> yeah. You get to. The I mean, it's not weird to see a dog. He's a Probably he, weird to ha have him be sneaky, though. He's the sneakiest like, dog. He's Dupois' dog. All right, so Dupois, you reach the front door, and uh, you are behind, yeah. like, the kind of the front iron, wrought iron gate. Mm. So, if you, what are you going to try to do? Open the door? Yes. All right, so you can either give me a locksmith check. Or mm -hmm. you can give me a mechanical repair, but you need a hard success on that. Oh, uh, no, I'm going for locksmith. Okay. <laughs> mechanical repair is less good. Um, I'm just going to, like, use my knife and try and just, like, pop it. Okay. If I can. Uh, oh, I don't have some. Wait a minute. Hold on. You would have enough luck. Oh, much is that? That's seven. It's seven. It's exactly seven. I'm gonna do it. Alright. What do you have one I'm last insane. point? I'm insane. I'm gonna do it. Do you have one last point left? I do. Alright. Don't you like don't you like how every session's the last session? Yep. Where we're just like, I you do. Know, we'll yeah. do it. Well, I mean we all thought that fighting the vampire was gonna be the last session. That's yeah. like, oh no, that's a part two. And even if even if it wasn't, I thought I was gonna die. So I'm like, well, whatever, really use the luck. Alright, so you uh managed to jimmy the lock on the door and you uh hear the the, the bolt turn. And the door opens. Okay. I'll give 
give him like a hand signal. All right. So across the street, you see Dupois motion that the door is open. Dupois, do you stay in the do you stay on the stoop or do you go inside? I probably go inside. All right. So you slip inside the sitting room. Babon and Pressy, what do you do? How how's Babon looking? He's kind of hurt, right? But he's I'm a lot harder. He's a lot harder than me. You both do have more HP than I do. Yeah. I mean, not on right a, now. Dylan doesn't right now, but <laughs> on a scale of one to thirteen, I'm an eleven. Ooh, on a scale of one to eleven, I'm eleven. So I guess we're pretty even. Yeah, um, I fell off a roof, so. Pressy will probably still stay behind you just because he's usually the rifleman, and, you know, wants to keep the range. And you're usually the guy that runs in with a, a hammer or something anyway. I got my axe ready to go. Yeah. About to Leroy Jenkins this. Just... Are you going to bolt across the street or are you going to try to be stealthy and slip across the street quietly? I mean, if you won't, I will. <laughs> <laughs> what, bolt across the street or stealth? No, no stealth. Oh. <laughs> I'll attempt to stealth. I'm not very good at stealth. Ooh. I'm stealthing, guys. You, you're nine points away. Oh, God. <laughs> I basically just bolted across the street. Yeah. So, Dupois, you slip inside quietly. Uh, Bonaparte follows you. His tail is still wagging happily as he is enjoying this adventure that you've taken him on. And <laughs> you hear just this clattering of feet and you probably hear, like, a thud as Babon sort of trips and then gets back up and sort of runs up the steps and Pressy and Babon make their way into the house. There isn't probably a moment where they get to the door at the same time and there's, like, that oof. <laughs> Pressy's probably stealth fail is more of, like, Babon snaps, like, we're like, shh, don't make a sound. And then Babon, like, snaps on a twig, like, he hits a twig, and I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> but eventually they both make it to the front door you just suddenly hear the wind babble running Leroy Jenkins you suddenly hear a trumpet <laughs> and, and Dupois since you're in the doorway looking back at this uh, you see at the end of the alley where you came out of just the, the shaking head of the ghoul, just watching this, just shaking his head like. <sighs> I give him a look like I know, right? <laughs> but uh, eventually, all three of you are inside the front door, inside this sitting room. Uh, you sort of stumble inside. It's dark. There's no light currently on, as all those candles and things were snuffed out before Regalt left. I'm going to shut the door and relock it. Okay. Can, can it be locked from the inside? Yes. Okay, I'm going to relock it so, like, in case someone tries to follow us, they have to mm. get the door open somehow. Okay, so you move in, you move in, you shut the door, you relock it, uh, and you're standing in this darkened room. Your eyes are a little bit adjusted to the dark, and there's, a like, a lit street lamp outside that kind of gives a little light through the window. And you can see that you're in this sort of front sitting slash drawing room. Um, there's, like, a little plant off to the side by the door. There's these two nice sofas kind of that sit facing each other in the middle of the room. And then there is a door sort of directly opposite the front door on the other side of the room. And there's also a door to the right in the right-hand corner on the other side of the room. Okay. Both of those doors are currently shut. From our observations of, like, the front of the house, like, 
the door to the right was like a window over there so we could see what room is over there there was a window uh and you um heard people moving about and uh it looked like there was another like sofa so maybe there was like another sitting room off to that side Okay. It sounded like when they went to dinner, they went further into the house, and the mm. voices got more muffled, so the dining room is maybe somewhere toward the center of the house. Okay. I I just realized this. Mm -hmm. um, mm. I don't know if anybody else has been looking at the uh, Twitch. Um, we all have at least one Nat 20. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and both wow. uh, me and Dylan do have a fail. I'm oh, no, no, you have a, an advantage. You actually don't have any fails. Oh, I thought that red was bad. I usually it's oh. usually green, good, red, bad. So uh, no. uh, yellow and orange are bad. Well, okay. all right. I, I I literally just noticed that, so I'm like, oh. I forgot about that. I did too, yeah. and I'm looking at the screen and forgot. <laughs> oh, Reminder for everybody. Known the whole time, she's just like, look at these idiots fail. <laughs> <laughs> it's been fun. Look at them spend the last of their luck points. Well, no, I just wanted to make sure you held on to them until it was really necessary. Hmm. I was being, you know... In about five minutes when we're going. <laughs> <laughs> when he comes home early, he's like, oh, I forgot my... Like, I forgot I, my... We're, all like, we're like, okay, we're going to go through this door. Uh, I can't believe I forgot my... <laughs> I'd kill you all! He has, he has like, yeah. anime, anime and human amount of genius where he's like, this is about the time they would try to sneak in, so I'm going to go mm. back now. That's when Babon pulls well, up the money, clip, <laughs> the money clip with a 50 and chucks it, and he goes, here, get it, street smarts, and we all run. <laughs> wow. But um, uh, Pressy's probably going to, like, signal to, like, the right door? Like this. I mean, we might as well. We got we don't know what worse. The mm. adventurers go left, but we're not good adventurers, so... Are you, no, we're not. Are you going to light a candle, or are you going to move through the house in the darkness? Mm. Pressy would rather go through the house in darkness. Same. Okay. All right. I mean, if we, we try to, like, block the candle, someone from outside can see, and pretty clear where it might. Oh, oh, yeah, that's what we'll do. Um, Pressy mm -hmm. will take one of the candles off the sconce, but he won't light it until we get into the next room. Okay. All right. So you move across this uh, front room, past the sofa to the corner where the door is. It doesn't appear to be locked. It's just a simple wooden door okay. set in a frame. Who wants to open the door? Oh, I'll Dubois open opens the door. All right. So it opens on another sort of sitting area. It looks like maybe more like a waiting area, maybe for when the doctor sees his patients. Uh. Um. Looking around in the darkness, you can see uh, there's a chair and a, and a sofa. There's a small fireplace. Um, and you also see a set of stairs ascending to the next floor. And just past the stairs, there's a door on the left-hand side. It is also currently closed. There are a couple of, like, bookshelves in here set against the wall. What a devious fiend. Not only does he have a room for them to sit in, but a room for them to wait God, he has to be stopped. Okay, but in seriousness, uh, he likes, like there's no windows looking to the outside anymore now, right? There is a front window that looks out on the street here, but the curtains are drawn. Yeah. Oh, they're drawn. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, he's gonna light the candle, but do what? Mm -hmm. What you guys are like, yeah, like hide it? Okay. And he's gonna he's gonna want to investigate the books. Okay, so you yeah, move over right. to the bookshelves. Um, wh what are you looking for? 
Mm-hmm. You know what? He's probably actually going to scooby do this. He's just going to like pull look, see if any of them does anything just from removing them. All right. So Pressy takes a little time and is pulling on books on the but shelf. I, but he also like if there's anything on the binders, he's going to like mm. leave ones like trap for idiots or something. No. <laughs> um, make a spot hidden on them as you're moving them and looking through them. Haha, I can't believe these idiots fell for it. Wait, what? <laughs> if you're reading this, it's already too late. Dear sister. All right, so you uh, you look around through these and you make a thorough search and you like basically go through every book on the shelf. Um, you do not find any um, sign of the book you're looking for on these shelves. Uh, what you do notice is these are uh, mostly medical texts. Like, there are a bunch of different texts and things like that. You do notice that it looks like some of them have come from these collections that were taken from the other Aristos. Like, it looks like Regal has kind of taken his pick of what they have gotten from the other households that people have been killed. Okay. With his uh, one in medicine, he's just going to be like, oh, well, whatever. Okay. Oh, that's the bone that connects that. Now I Wait, the head bones connected to the neck bone. Hmm. So there's like an, an actually poorly at, uh, drawn skull in one of these, and he's like, "Huh, I remember them kind of looking different in the crypt, but oh well, that's <laughs> must be what they're supposed to look like." Heads, shoulders, knees, and toes. Groundbreaking. Hmm. Knees and toes. Knees and toes. So, after Pressy gives a thorough examination of the bookshelves. You are uh, left with uh, a doorway and hmm. a staircase. Well, we saw that he had an office upstairs, so Dupois would probably, you know, probably wouldn't leave the book here at the waiting room. He'd probably have it up in, like, his private residence. Oh, um, Pressy, of course. Like, he's when he's uh, going through these books, he's not just, like, like throwing them off and, like, yeah, yeah. and stuff. Mm-hmm. He'll take one at a time and put it back. Mm-hmm. Exactly where it was. I just wanted to make sure that was... So, yes. does, so Pressy does take about 12 or 13 minutes of doing this to go through every book carefully as you yeah. two sort of wait and watch. We could probably check the door in that time. Yeah. when you're, Like, without leaving the room. We'll go just, like... Okay. I'm going to go open that left-hand door and see where it leads to. Not go into it yet, but just kind of see. Alright, so you open the door while you're waiting, and you see it opens on a... a very long room um closest to you there's sort of a, a kind of a rectangular space there's bookshelves that line the walls in here as well uh, beyond those shelves there there's like another sort of room attached it's an open doorway there's no door in it and you can see what looks like an operating table that lays in that next space um you can see past the operating table in the far corner it looks like there's a trunk set off in the corner off to the side. Um, everything looks like very tidy from what you can see. It's, it's you know, there's like dim light. You don't notice any light coming in from outside. So you don't think there's any windows that look into this space. So the only light is what's reflected from the, the little candle that Pressy has on top of the bookshelves. Mm-hmm. I kind of want to go see what's in that trunk. Yeah, yeah. you might as well by yourself without any of the rest of us. We could split up. That's true. <laughs> well, I know we said like, not to, but each other. I mean, I haven't gone in yet, but I'm just kind of curious about the trunk. Mm. 
would you be willing to wait until Percy's done with the books? Yeah. He'll, he'll join you. Yeah. I just okay. okay. Letting it know that I want to go look at the trunk whenever you're done with your books. Okay. So you wait patiently. Percy finishes his search. He does not find the tome. And as he puts the last book back and turns, you, you Percy, you see Babon and uh, Dupois waiting. Um, the dog... Bonaparte has laid down in front of the fireplace and is sort of chewing on the front of the fireplace a little bit. Chewing on the fireplace? Like, just kind of gnawing, you know, like, looks like he's just giving a good gnaw on the, on the like, stone hearth. Like. <laughs> okay. Bubbles <laughs> gonna look at Bonaparte and up at Dupois. Something's wrong with your dog. He likes it. ain't right. Well, let's let's check out this chest. Let's you, go look at this it's trunk. trunk or whatever you're talking about. Yeah. All right. So you guys move into this this other room. This uh, looks like probably surgery. stay like in the the waiting room with Bonaparte. Okay. So Dupois stays by the door, kind of keeping an eye out. Yeah. Uh, so you move through the the first section of the room where all these other bookshelves and stuff are. There's a lot, quick glances left and right. You see a lot more medical texts and things like that. Um, and then as you step kind of into the next room where the operating table is. You look off to your left, kind of to take in the rest of the room, and you see there is a casket sitting on top of another table about 10 feet from the operating table. The top is closed, and it's sitting on top of this flat table, just nondescript casket. Ah, mm -hmm. okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, no big deal. We're just about par for the course. Let's yeah. just keep. Let's just keep going. Okay. Mm -hmm. You note that the uh, the this area, the the operating table and everything is very pristine, well cleaned, very nice. Everything is in order, tidied up. Like his sons. Mm-hmm. Uh, you also notice that in some places on the shelves, as you get closer in here to the surgery area. There's some powders and other, like, pharmacy-type uh, stuff. Some pill bottles and things like that. Well, Percy's not looking for any um, opium, alcohol, THC, cough medicine. So I think he's fine. Yeah, Babon's just kind of still slowly heading towards the trunk. Actually, there's someone in the other room that might need those painkillers. <laughs> Assuming nah, they're painkillers. Oh, I mean, like 1800s, like medical painkillers was just like. You mean cocaine? Was like a mix of was like cocaine, opium, and alcohol, and that was pretty much what most of it was. Oh, and morphine, lots of morphine. Well, I mean, he's been drinking wine so much, he could probably use something that has a little more of a kick to it. Oh God. Anyway, so we're going to the trunk. Trunk. All right, you get distracted. So, yeah. so you give the, the, the casket a wide berth, and you move over to the trunk in the corner. Uh, it's currently closed. I'm going to, like, gingerly try to see if it's, like, locked or if I can open it. All right, you, you sort of take hold of the top and try to, like, give it, a, and it comes open freely. It's not locked. It just sort of pops, the lid pops open. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and look in and see what's in this so, wonderful trunk. Uh, you see what appears to be some dark clothing, sort of folded up inside the trunk. Does it look familiar in any way? 
Um, it looks a lot like the uh, dark cloaks that the uh, helpers were wearing that brought the bodies to the catacombs. The ones that the hood came off and it happened to be Melody's father's head on a female's body. Mm-hmm. So like Hessian cloaks with hoods. I kind of like... Those could be useful, actually. Yeah. Pull a set out and kind of just like hold it up. You see there's probably like four more sets inside this trunk. The problem is if we take stuff, he'll know we were here. Well, he'll know someone was here. Maybe leave it there for now. Yeah. We know where it's at. And I'm going to kind of like move the other cloaks over to see if there's anything else in the trunk. All right. You quickly kind of move them and you, you don't find anything else in here. This looks like where he keeps these. Okay. Then I shut the lid. All right. You shut the lid. As it clicks down, the casket goes. The black mamba. We just got kill build. <laughs> and then it's quiet again as you sort of turn your heads and look back at the casket on top of this uh, small trestle table. In the other room, Bonaparte's head comes up. I kind of take. Okay. I take my axe and just kind of like keep a wide berth and kind of like slowly start shuffling towards the door. All right. Probably instinctually like aimed the rifle at the at the, where the noise is coming from. So Pressy is pointing the rifle. As you turn, um, you had gone right for that the trunk. You do notice in the corner to the left, kind of uh, set back a little in the wall, is another door here that goes somewhere else in the house. It's currently closed as well. But we would have we would have to get past this coffin. Well, currently, uh, Babon is on the other side. Like the the door is maybe ten feet from Babon. The operating table is between Babon and the casket. And Pressy, you're closer to the main surgery area, so you're about 10, 15 feet from the casket, and the operating table is between you and it as well, but you're at the other end of the operating table. So you two are just sort of on the other side of the room. So the casket's to the left of you, and the door's to the right of you, and the door out is to the sharp, like, kind of to your sharp left. Based on, like, how we came in and kind of did all the movement, what I kind of know what direction that door is facing it heads back toward the uh the other side the other road like it heads back toward the uh the rue de la paix okay i don't really want to go i don't want to leave the house the casket moves you this time you see it move slightly and you hear like a knocking as something's inside i guess just quickly retreating back yeah, I guess I gotta like head back you, towards. Like, get the heck out of here! Let's go! Let's go back. Back towards the way we came in. Yeah, he All doesn't right. say anything, but he does like our military signals and stuff. Okay, so you, uh, Dupois, you heard this, and then you see uh, after a, a second or two, uh, Pressy quickly leaves, and then Babon follows him out of the other room. I probably still have the rifle facing that room. And then was there a door we could shut? There was a door on this on the surgery room. I want to shut the door as I'm leaving, and then... Is there a lock on the door? Uh, You look quickly at the door. There's not a lock on the door. Well, I don't know how smart these things are, so I think at least shutting the door is going to kind of contain it. 
Okay. So you are all standing now sort of near this door, and the stairs are directly to your left, facing upstairs. Shall we go up? Chrissy gives that one, that room we were in just one last look and nods. As there's a muffled... Oh, God. <laughs> Bonaparte's coming along. Bonaparte is sort of like snarling at the door. And then oh, he looks boy. up at you and sort of licks your hand. Hmm. And he'll start following you up the stairs. <laughs> so you co- you guys move up the stairs, leaving behind the casket in the surgery. Um, yeah. that, that won't be bad. <laughs> no. So you come up to uh, the second floor landing where... You see directly to the left at the top of the stairs is a door. Looking straight ahead and to the right is another door. And then if you turn 180 degrees around, there's a door straight back in that wall and then another door on the right. So there are four doors up here that are all currently closed. Okay. Great. More doors. (laughs) And I'm guessing we can't simply walk through them. Mm. Why does not simply walk through all the doors? But uh, we probably can figure out the one that like heads towards the street, right? Um, that we, yeah. we saw the office. Yeah, you know, coming up the stairs, um, that you would have to turn around, and the and the office would be your best guess would be probably the door straight ahead would okay. go into the office. I see. Would probably point that out because he's the one that noticed yeah. it. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's as good as places I need to start. Mm. You know, you had something in there. There's another coffin. Oh, God. All right. So you, you just guys fill with coffins. Uh, move toward the <laughs> study door. And um, it is also all these doors are closed currently. So you move up to it. Dupois opens the door inward. All right, so Dupois, you open the door inward, um, and you see the form of a... There's looks like there's a person standing just inside the door. And for a second, it looks like they almost lunge out of the shadows at you as you sort of stumble back. And Bonaparte gives an involuntary bark. <clears throat> and then the candlelight sort of hits it and, sh- and shows it. And you all recognize Babon and Pressy immediately... Dupois, you only saw this in passing, like you were busy with other things, but you realize that this is the what used to be the Pope, the, the dead oh, the Pope. But it all the popes, the clothing and everything like that mm-hmm. have been removed. It is simply the naked, preserved body, sort of stood up here in this room, just inside the door. You can see where the skin is all removed, and you can see all the tendons and the muscles and things like that. Percy probably just is like, he, luckily he's got pretty good training on it, or he probably would have fired like an idiot, and um, yeah. like he did earlier. And the, um, he probably just goes like, and just keep and just walks over top of it and goes inside. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it looks, looking at it, it still looks like it has that almost varnish finish that sort of like preserved kept it preserved and so that it didn't sort of fade away and like rot. Hmm. All right. So you move into this room past this familiar desiccated body and you can see the room is sort of divided into three. Um, This, this first area has just two bookshelves and the next area beyond you see a small cabinet that's closed and it looks like it's locked. There's a small keyhole in it. 
Um, and you can just see around the corner what looks like a desk sitting in front of the window. And then further on, you also see another uh, sort of small area that has more bookshelves. So the room is sort of just split into like three smaller spaces. Okay. Bonaparte is growling at this naked Pope. Understandable. What do you guys want to do? I probably would too. Um, uh, Dubois, maybe you get the, the locked cabinet over there. Mm. Or what is it, cabinet or dresser? There's a locked cabinet, there's a desk, and there's a bunch of bookshelves in the first room, and then in the far room, there's bookshelves. Yeah, we can just like each go in one room if yeah. we want. Yeah, like, is it? It's all one giant room, but it's kind of just divided into sections. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah there's like, uh, Basically, you come in the main door and you're in the first section, and there's like sort of this like thin wall that divides the next okay. one, but you can just walk past, and then and then there's the same for the third. Okay. Uh, so, so I was thinking like I would take the second bookshelves, and then and then I'll take the desk. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So who wants Let's to go party. first? I guess I will. Okay. So, uh, Babon, you uh, move into the center room with the desk as uh, Dupois, you're going for the cabinets. And yeah. Pressy, you're going into the next room looking at the at the bookshelves and things like that. So, um, as you move toward the desk, Babon, you notice uh, that there is a ledger sitting on top of the desk that is currently just sitting there closed. And above it, kind of pinned... At the windowsill area, you see a pamphlet. Um, I'll go see what the pamphlet is. Okay. So, let's see. You move toward the pamphlet first. And you see that the pamphlet has a title on it as you get closer. And it says, The Festival of the Supreme Being. Looking at it more closely, you see that it calls upon all citizens to attend the upcoming celebration on the 20th Prairiel. The revolutionary calendar says that this is June 8th. So this is five days from now. Actually, now it's after, almost, it's after midnight. It's four days from now. Um, the opening line of the pamphlet states, The French people recognize the supreme being and the immortality of the soul. And you do remember that that phrase has been being inscribed above the church doors throughout Paris over the last couple of years. And like this is kind of in line with what the ghoul told us with everything. Mm -hmm. Totally means the Christian God and nothing else. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, can I like try to like I don't want to remove it from the pen, but can I kind of try to read a little further into it? Uh, there's just more details about uh, coming to the celebration yeah. and things of that nature. There's nothing else re that really stands out okay. to you. Then I guess I'll go to the ledger and kind of just start flipping through it. Okay. So, uh, looking at the ledger, you open it up and you can see that there are entries inside that appear to be arranged by date. Each entry consists of two or three letter lists. Uh, an example, you see M-H-Y-R, capital L, lowercase d, capital S. And next to, next to it is a place name. There's Paris, Lyon, and Nantes. 
And then there's a total like number rounded up for each day. Do you want to give me an intelligence roll? Sure. Sure. Because Jamie thinks he knows what this is, but we'll see if Babon knows what this is. No. Yeah, Babon, you are definitely uh, confused by this. Maybe, maybe Cesar or someone else would be able to suss it out for you. Um, so yeah, but this, there's like pages of these entries as you kind of go through and look at it. Mm-hmm. And nothing about it sticking out to me in any way. No, you're, you're not really sure. Okay. Maybe, maybe this is, a uh, Regal's patient manifesto. Mm -hmm. So okay. me meanwhile, let's see. Dupois, you're looking mm. at the cabinet? Yes. I know you said it was locked. It is. So you, looking at it, you you could either try to pick it or you think maybe you could try to just pull it open. I don't want to do that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and pick it, and if I can, I want to use my critical on it just to make sure. Okay. So you're going to use your critical... Yeah. All right. All right. So you use a critical. Um, so you pop open this small cabinet with ease. And hmm. immediately uh, a bunch of wax cylinders sort of tumble out at your feet. And you look down at them. And you realize that you've seen these before. These are scrolls that you saw last in Fenelix's basement back in Poissy. So you definitely know that Rigalt has claimed the Count's collection of items. And Pressy, you're in the next room looking at the bookshelves. Mm -hmm. um, why don't you roll me a spot hidden as you're looking through these medical texts that are written in Latin. You can see some anatomical drawings on the walls. Yeah, some of that moon speech. Um... <laughs> But nothing else really seems to jump out to you. And you hear, uh, you can hear the cabinet sort of pop open in the, in the other side of the wall. And you hear the scrolls tumble out. And then uh, you all hear a Bonaparte growl no. and bark. And you hear this cracking sound. And you see a shadow from the next room. As the skinless Pope comes storming around the corner, the wax sort of splitting off from oh, his body. Oh my god. He would. <laughs> and I think we'll stop there. <laughs> we should have killed that. We should have chopped its head off. I'd, you know, before we went to the room, I thought about just stabbing it because Dupont would be like, oh, fuck this thing. You know, almost give me a heart attack. Yeah, seriously, in this, in this case, you could probably chop off its head. It, it wouldn't matter. It probably wouldn't. Yeah. No. So yeah. Sure. So you guys, that's you guys hear the cracking. You hear Bonaparte growl and bark, and then you just see this figure just storming around the corner. The the pieces of dried, like the wax, sort of peeling away and falling and crumbling away like dandruff off its skin. Yeah, the arms outstretched. Dupois, you're on the like you're kind of down on your knees, reaching in the cabinet. And just sort of look over your shoulder and see it coming. Pressy, you hear it coming, but you're not sure what is going on in this moment because you're sort of around the corner in the next room out of he, sight. 
He was coincidentally going to come over and see what happened with the scroll noise because mm-hmm. he heard stuff fall. Yep. So that's as you have turned and you just sort of started stepping in that direction, you just hear this and you probably see the shadow of it sort of go lo- the lanky shadow go up and along the wall. And then that's where we'll come. Well, I mean, at this point, it doesn't matter. He's going to know we were here. Yeah, that's so. true. <laughs> now we're just going to wreck his so house. I like to think this whole scene's happening and just goes slowly to bullet time speed. So it's like mm-hmm. almost standstill, but everything's moving ever so slightly. And you just hear like the the heart a heartbeat, just like because mm. <laughs> the, the, the drama. That bone and the Pope make eye contact, and it's to kill Bill Sirens to start going. <laughs> 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 do, do they make eye contact? Does the Pope have both of its eyes forward? They they're like looking as it like moves. The cracking wax kind of cracks off the eyes. Oh boy! That's all. Oh, this isn't creepy. <laughs> Not at all. So yeah, no. so we will uh, we'll pick that up in two weeks and see what happens as the uh, the skinless Pope <laughs> has has come to life. Pressy's worst fear. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so on that note, uh, let's, let's do some plugs and, uh, so Dylan, do you have anything going on? Yeah, I do. Um, so tomorrow on Power Square RPG after Dice Camera Action, mm-hmm. we're doing Waffle Talk where we talk about D&D and DCA and all that fun stuff. And waffles. Uh, waffle. I, I did eat waffles one time. So yeah, we can talk about waffles. Um, let me see. Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern time on the Greyhawk channel. Uh, I'm in Secrets of Castle Greyhawk, where we are currently exploring the Isle of the Ape, which is basically D&D King Kong um, <laughs> in D&D's original mega dungeon, Castle Greyhawk. So come join us there. I play a person who's just about as grumpy as Dupois in that. Nice, uh, nice. <laughs> um, uh, Saturday at, I believe, 4 p.m. Eastern time, uh, Scott, Jeanette, and Katie and I on Power Square RPG. We just started Dragon Heist last Saturday, Waterdeep Dragon Heist, and it was freaking awesome. So come watch our second session, because heck yeah. Yes, it was uh, very, very good. And then Sunday at 6, 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Power Square RPG, I'm guesting in Dungeon Academy as my Dragon Se- Dragon Heist character. I almost said Dragon Siege. What the hell's that? <laughs> That's our next game. No, I don't know. Oh, maybe. All right. So our that's... next call of Cthulhu game. Ooh. All right. So that's Dylan. So Scott, what do you got going on? Oh, um, all right. So uh, on my Twitch channel, uh, Scotty Hood, Scotty with a Y underscore H00D, uh, Fridays at 730 Eastern Standard Time, I have Retroverse Campaign. And I'm going to have yet another guest star. And it's going to be Bree, aka Brave Sweet, from Dungeon Academy. Nice. There to harass, I mean, help uh, a certain synthweaver idol pop star. So that, that'll be great. And then um, Saturday, Eastern Standard, 7 o'clock, uh, I'll be, we'll be back with Adventures of Tranquil Sea, where um, the group may or may not be killing Humility and the rest of the Yanti. Wow. Because they are, they don't, okay, I can't, because I don't, I know none of them watch this, but. They should. This, you guys know, I'm ke- I'm keeping track of what happened with Sean's version. Mm-hmm. So the aunties still have that thing. Yes. Uh, oh, boy. So we're, we're oh, Lord. 
we're going from there and they get uh, the good friends of a die who may or may not die who knows <gasps> no can't die <laughs> Let's say that. Yeah, that's that's Zebediah's thought process every time he goes in somewhere because he's died pretty much every time. So he's that's like, true. All right, so that's, that's Scotty. Everything. So yeah. Jamie. Um on this channel in two weeks on Sunday, which is the seventh, I believe. Uh probably the next Sunday. We're playing through Forges of Fury, where the dungeon's not gonna kill us. We're gonna end up killing each other at some point. Mm-hmm. We ended last session with us shoving our wood elf rogue into a coffin and me being a dragonborn, I sat on it so he can't get out. Yes. And yeah. at some point in the future, we're going to be streaming on Katie's Twitch channel, which is Katie Face, Battle Royale of the Fresh Fuckos. I can't Katie wait for that. The teaser of that set yes. to Brooklyn Nine-Nine theme song. I'm we're all going to be level 10. And we're all just going to kill each other. It's going to be a good time. Awesome. And whoever wins gets some sort of prize, but we don't know what it is yet. Ooh. Good times. So, yep. And so I'm Jeanette. I'm going to be playing uh, next Saturday with Dylan and, and Scott in uh, Power Score RPGs, Waterdeep Dragon Heist. And then, yep. So every other Sunday, we're doing D&D &D 5e. This Forges of Fury is our current campaign. And yeah, I don't really have to do a lot of work. They are definitely doing enough of themselves. Uh, it's a great time to watch. I actually enjoy just letting them sort of do whatever. And Don't you love that as a DM? Yeah, I just sort of let them roll and it's fine. Good. Kill each other. Good. Um, if you, if you, you got, anyone who hasn't seen it, you probably need to see it. At least last episode, I haven't really been fully watching your Forge of Fury, but the fact the Barbarian disarmed the trap better than the Rogue, mm -hmm. well, it was great. It was great. Yes. Okay, so I got a nat 20 to disarm a trap being a Barbarian, and I got an intelligence nat 20 to not explode and die. I mean, that, that's what we're working with here. And our Rogue has never been hit yet, so we're waiting for things to turn on him. It could happen any time. Um, so that's every other Sunday. And then this, uh, Call of Cthulhu, we're going to play every other Monday. So in two weeks, we'll be back, uh, seven o'clock PM Eastern standard time. And, um, yeah, so we're going to see how these guys handle a, uh, this Pope, uh, the skinless Pope that has now come stalking out of the far corner of the room. And it looks very angry that they are touching things in this office. So, all right. So thank you for anybody who watched tonight. Thank you for everybody who watches on YouTube later when I get this up. And we will see everybody soon. And hopefully I drive them all mad. Or they save the world. We'll find out. Probably. Right. Bon Thanks. voyage. Bon voyage. Bon chance. Good night. Thank you for joining us for Uncanny Adventures podcast. Come back next time to continue our adventures.